incredible darkness. Okay, there was incredible darkness. And when we see the darkness that Christmas entered into, Christmas then helps us to admit to ourselves and to others that life is often dark and Christmas can bring light. That's what we're going to see today. And Christmas teaches something that we're taught in the book of Romans. Okay, in chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, these are verses that are in your bulletins. They're also going to be up on the screens. Um, this is what Romans 5, 20 and 21 says. It says this. It says, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Christmas shows us that where the darkness of human sin increases, the light of God's abundant grace abounds all the more. On the first Christmas, the light shined into a very, very dark world. And the dark is a literal part of the Christmas story, but it's also a metaphor of a culture that was filled with a whole lot of suffering. And so some Christmas carols capture this. Several of them do. Let me just share one with you. This is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It says this. It says, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And so the world struggles with brokenness and wrong. We, we feel captive sometimes, don't we, to our own struggles? We feel captive to our addictions. We mourn under the weight of wrongs that have been done to us. It can feel like we're living in exile, like we're living sort of apart from God or apart from the good life that we see other people living, that we just sort of seem to be on the outside trying to look in. Um, we feel this way. The world that we live in is broken. There's sickness and disease. There's, there's bad circumstances that are out of our control. All of this stuff holds us and it brings darkness into our lives. And the Christmas story begins with Mary and Joseph. And it begins in ways, again, that might be familiar to you, but I want you to see that underneath the story of Christmas, there were other things going on. So let's start in Luke chapter 1, verse, verses 26 to 40. Um, the, the, all the verses we're going to look at are going to be on the screens. And so uh, let me read this. It says, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he, this is the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And so Mary heard the angel. She questioned what the angel said, but then she agreed. But then she ran away. Mary ran away. It says right after this, in verse 39, it says, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And so Mary ran away. Elizabeth is her cousin. And so this is probably in part to avoid the public shame of an unwed pregnancy. Because think about it. Who would have believed her? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Well, um, no, uh, no, Joseph and I aren't married just yet. But uh, you don't understand. An angel appeared to me and told me that I was pregnant with the Messiah because God's Holy Spirit overshadowed me and... Right? Even Joseph, her betrothed, didn't believe her. Okay, Joseph was a great guy, but it was clear to him that Mary was not. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And so Joseph is saying, look, I'm not going to embarrass you. Like, I'm not going to make you a public spectacle. I could do that, but I'm not going to. Um, But this is not going to work out. This is not going to work out. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And this is good for Mary, right? Because at least Joseph now, he's in, right? He's, he's in on this. Joseph hears this amazing news, but what's interesting here is that this means that for Joseph, now Joseph knows that for him to say yes to Mary means that he's going to have to say yes to a life of being falsely accused, of being misunderstood, of being ridiculed and shamed. And so friends, if you are ever engulfed in the darkness of fear and shame, if you are ever in a place where you feel like you are going to be misunderstood, where you are misunderstood, when you've ever felt the embarrassment, that pressure of hiding the truth because you know you're not going to be believed, welcome to the family of Jesus. When you have an experience of God that none of your friends are going to understand, when something happens between you and God and you know that no matter what you say, they're not going to believe you, they're going to think you're making it up, they're going to think that you're weak and that you just need God in your life in some way because of your weaknesses, again, you know it's real but no one else knows it or respects it. Friends, Christmas is for you. This story is your story. When sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And why were Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? 
like, why are they there? It's because the world at that time was controlled by Rome. Okay, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Remember that registration? Okay. Um, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. That's in northern Israel. Okay. Um, He went from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. That's in southern Israel. Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so this sounds cute because it's been sentimentalized by the Christmas story. But Bethlehem is a week's journey from home for Mary and Joseph. And Mary's nine months pregnant. You're not even allowed to get on an airplane at nine months pregnant. Right? let alone be seated on the back of a donkey for a week. She's nine months pregnant and a stable. They're in a stable. I've got a picture of a stable here for you, filled with dirt and germs and the filth of animals. This photo doesn't even have the animals. They had to put their baby into a feeding trough of horses and cattle. I, mean, I just, I, you need to understand this. Like birth rates back then were already incredibly low. Putting a delivering mother into an animal stable and a baby in an awful unsanitized manger. Like, why did they have to do that? It's because the political leadership of their day called for a census. All the world had to be registered. And so Mary and Joseph were the victims of awful circumstances. They were forced to suffer because of politics. Can you relate? And then Herod, we read about Herod earlier in the Advent reading. Herod is about to declare war on this baby and his rage is gonna make the family flee for their lives. They are literally gonna have to run to Egypt, which is 400 miles away. on a donkey, by foot, 400 miles away to Egypt. And so Herod shows that sometimes the suffering in life is personal. It's directed at you personally with intention. Um, Caesar shows that sometimes it's not personal, but we sort of get ground in the gears of a machine that's bigger than we are. And we're suffering because of circumstances that even people don't even know who we are. Life just sucks sometimes. And the darkness closes in. And so friends, if you've been forced to suffer because of things outside of your control, if you've been forced to suffer because of sickness, disease, or because the world is just broken, if you've been abused by the anger and ego and manipulation of others, then you can join Jesus' family on that dark night in the stable. Darkness would have enveloped Mary and Joseph in the stable and they would have been tempted to think 
this doesn't feel like the birth of a king who's come to save the world. What's going on here? Well, the story continues. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so the shepherds are out in the dark. But then something happens on Christmas night. Verse 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they, the shepherds, were filled with great fear. And so light finally appears. It might have looked something like this. (laughs) I got texts and phone calls. I don't know if you did, maybe because I'm a pastor. They were like, "Um, is this Jesus coming back? And some of them weren't kidding. Some of them weren't kidding. But so there was this light in the sky, right? God speaks into the darkness through the angels and they shine with the bright of hope and truth and safety and peace. In verse 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the light shines with the announcement of Jesus' birth. He will be the Savior. God says, I'm here. I'm here and something amazing is happening. So verse 15, it continues, you know, sometimes sin leaves us ignorant. Like sometimes sin sort of sings us into a sleep so that we're just sort of ignorant about what God's doing in the world. We live apart from him. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about him. But grace, you know, where our sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so grace comes to us in the darkness. Grace comes to us out in the fields. Grace comes to us when we're doing nothing else, when we might not even have a direction in life. Grace comes and says, I have good news. I have good news. So verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go. (laughs) Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. I love this. I mean, this is light for Mary's darkness. Like Mary realizes that after the shame that caused her to run away, after almost losing her husband because of this, after having to take this incredibly dangerous journey for a week on a donkey, giving birth to this child in this unbelievably disgusting environment, all of a sudden now, Mary realizes that she's not alone anymore. Mary realizes the shepherds come. God hasn't just spoken to her. Joseph isn't making it up either. There's this group of people that have come and God has spoken to them. This is such a gift to Mary. She realizes her son is the Savior. 
Friends, God meets us in our struggle, and God's grace abounds all the more as he joins us together with other people who believe so that we know we're not crazy, (laughs) so that we know that what we're experiencing, other people have experienced. And then the Magi show up. The Magi show up. These are the wise men from the East. We read about them earlier. Um, They come, they offer gifts and worship. This is another amazing gift to Mary and Joseph because they realize that Jesus isn't just the Jewish Messiah, but he has come to save every nation on earth. All of the people, these non-Jewish magi come with worship and gifts. And so every nation, every group, everywhere will be touched by the grace of Jesus and invited into his family. And so wherever you're from, Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, Jesus' grace comes to you and says, welcome. Welcome. Into the darkness of sin, sins that we've committed, sins that have been committed against us, Jesus is God's light shining. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. I mean, this is what the center candle is on the advent wreath. It's the Christ candle, that Jesus is the one who brings the light of God's extravagant grace. And so we light this candle knowing that God's promises have come true, that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the one who comes near to us with his grace and his light shines. It's Jesus, okay? It's not just the promises of God. It's not just the, the, the city of Bethlehem. It's not just the angels and the shepherds. It's not just the magi, but it's Jesus who gives light that spreads to all. The light of Jesus shines brighter and brighter the more that we know him. Because in him comes true the ancient prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7, it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And what is this light? Verse 6 tells us, Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The son is Jesus and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the son born in the manger. He's a wonderful counselor. God's abounding grace understands us. God's abounding grace sees us and hears us. He gets us, and he gives us wisdom and hope. He is the mighty God and everlasting Father. So this is not just a human being who's been born, but in some way that blows our minds and we can't understand, God's abounding grace brings God himself to earth. God cares so much, he didn't just send a messenger, but he came himself. His approval, he is our everlasting Father. This is loving authority, and his approval matters more than anything else. What he thinks, how he feels about you matters. If he loves you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. He gives you assurance when no one else understands. And he's the prince of peace. The wholeness of his grace 
in exchange for the brokenness of our sin. Jesus brings a new way of leading. He's not arrogant or self-serving, but he's a leader who truly cares and serves, one who's willing to sacrifice himself for us. He responds to our sin with grace and transforming power. This grace abounds in the manger, but it superabounds all the more when you let the baby in the manger grow up. Because he lived, he died, and he rose again so that grace would abound all the more. Who needs this superabounding grace? Well, people like me who have lived for years without God, who have lived for years apart from him, ignoring him at times, at war with him at times, abounding grace where our sin increases, grace abounds all the more. Who needs this grace? People like me who have gone deep into sin, who aren't content with just sin on the surface, but invest time and energy and, and, and habit and addiction into sin, where our sin increased, grace abounds all the more. People like me who have hurt others with their sin, where our sin increased, grace abounds all the more. We've had a very bright light in the world flicker and die out recently. Um, theologian and author R.C. Sproul just passed away um, in the last couple of weeks. And here's just one of the quotes for which he's famous. He says, There is no greater state than to get up from your knees knowing that God has forgiven every sin you've ever committed. There's power in this. There is identity shaping in this. There is new hope and new life in this. When this grace abounds in your life, you have grace to offer to others. You can forgive in ways that are inexplicable outside of what God has done for you. And the last people who I think need this grace are people who have been hurt by others. Um, where sin has increased against you, God's grace abounds all the more. God comes to you with healing. God comes to you with affirmation. God comes to you with understanding so that you would know that he is with you. I mean, how could you possibly forgive? How could you possibly move beyond the pain of your abuse? We can only share what we've received from God and his grace abounds. He entered into incredible darkness, darkness that is very similar to the darkness of our own lives. In his birth and then in his life and his death, he entered in and went beyond so that we would know he understands. We would know that he draws near. Friends, Christmas is God coming to you to say you're not alone. You're not alone. You have my grace. If you'll trust me and follow me, if you will love me, I've already loved you. Find hope and happiness. Find light. Because as we experience his light, we become light that can shine on to others. Merry Christmas. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, thank you. God, thank you for not coming as so many who are in authority come, untouched by pain, untouched by suffering, who set their hearts to live apart from suffering. But you've entered in. You've entered into our lives, and we thank you for it. We thank you that we have a Savior who knows exactly what our weaknesses are, who understands all of the struggles that we have. Jesus, draw near now and appear to us. Draw near to our hearts so that we would know that in our brokenness, in our pain, we're not alone. Shine your light and help us to respond with love and awe, with worship. Draw us near and let this night be the start of something new, a new life where we follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.